0: Liveline on RTE Radio 1 with Kia. Going electric, plug into the Kia E range of EVs and PHEVs. Kia. Movement that inspires. Liveline on RTE Radio 1 with Kia. Going electric, plug into the Kia E range of EVs and PHEVs. Kia. Movement that inspires.
1: 0818 715 815. Hello, good afternoon, and you're very welcome to Liveline.
2: Five one double five one is our text number and 0818-715-815. Uh, Marie, good afternoon.
3: Hi, Joe. How are you?
2: Good. Thanks. This is a pretty serious uh, offence. Uh, your mother was a victim of yesterday. What happened?
3: Yeah. So she was caught in traffic yesterday, mm-hmm. and she just happened to pull in front of this car. I think there had been a traffic jam for a few hours. Okay. Um, and she said, this man behind her started beeping at her, gesturing at her. And he proceeded then to get out of his car. He hmm. screamed profanities at her, uh, tried to elbow her car window.
2: And what you mean? He, he, was then, a- he was using the F word and the B word and the...
3: He called her every name under the sun, oh, okay. she said. Um, oh, and he then opened her car door and spat on her.
2: And where, where did the spittle end up?
3: Um, it went on her, she said.
2: My God. Yeah. And were you saying he was elbowing the window?
3: Yeah, elbowing her, We say, you know, the driver's window. He was elbowing, trying to get in, she thinks, yeah.
2: And, like, what, what? have you any idea, is your mother any idea? No, she's still dreadfully upset, and why wouldn't she be? But was she any idea what he was on about?
3: I think there had been some something on the motorway that morning and people had been stuck in traffic yeah but, for hours. Wasn't, yeah,
2: but that wasn't your mother's fault.
3: It wasn't, but I don't know, was it just the thing that tipped him over the edge that she had pulled in in front of him? I have no idea, but...
2: And what age group was this man?
3: She thinks he was in his 40s. Like, my mum is in her mid-60s. Okay. She's a grandmother of two. She's a small, yeah. petite woman. And this man screaming at her and then spat at her.
2: And what what size was he? What height was he? Insofar as,
3: I think she said he was kind of average height, medium build.
2: Okay, so and um, so a youngish man, uh, yeah. f- f- full of strength and uh, yeah. bravado, obviously. Um, now, spitting at somebody is bad at the best of times. Spitting at somebody in a pandemic is a pretty serious event, events, event, offense. It is, it's shocking. We've, we've dug out two cases, right? And one, one judge in fairness pointed out that when you spit at somebody during a pandemic, you're not only affecting the person that's been spat at, you're affecting their whole family. Because their whole family yeah. might be in trouble if there's COVID in that spittle, and that's one of the ways it is transmitted. Yeah. So we spat at your mother, which is yeah. which is uh, despicable. Another another judge um, said that in this case uh, the the defendant uh, spat at a garda uh, on the right hand side of his forehead, narrowly missing his eyes. And uh, as a result of that, the Garda and his family had to isolate because this woman was shouting, I have the virus, I have the virus, believe it or not. Yeah. Um, So how is your mother today? She's
3: still very shaken. Do you know, like, it's his behaviour. I don't know, does this man think that that's acceptable? Because it says an awful lot about him if that's the way that he behaves.
2: Did your mother go to the guardie?
3: My man, like she's not a confrontational person. Yeah, she didn't. What? She didn't want to make a fuss. But we said to her, even just ring them and see. And she rang our local guard station. In fairness, she said they were very, very nice. But they said there wasn't a whole lot that they could do. It would be a very drawn out affair. She'd have to make a statement. It yeah. would have to go to court. Yeah. It would, could be months waiting to be yeah. heard. And and then at the end of it, she said it. Simply his word against
2: hers. Well, a lot of cases are. That's why we have juries, and that's why we have judges. Learn the judges. It isn't only yeah. one person's word against the other, and then the judge or a jury makes uh, makes a decision on the balance of probabilities. Do you believe yeah. your Do you believe your mother?
3: Yes, hundred yeah, percent. Why would you make uh, something like exactly that? Exactly. How
2: soon after this incident did your mother contact you?
3: My sister texts me, and honestly, I thought she was making it up I said that's not possible like that doesn't happen she said no it has happened she's very shaken by it
2: and did she ring somebody was she able to ring somebody immediately after it happened that she was stuck in traffic
3: no she pulled in she got off the motorway at the next exit and she had to sit in her car for a bit and just
2: gather herself yeah and say to herself did that really happen did a grown uh, did a grown man in traffic, uh, chaos, which, and even if you were, what's, what's the problem? These things happen. And it, but, it was, but she wasn't. If a grown man in a traffic jam that everyone was enduring starts yeah. banging on my window with his elbow, starts effing and being and seeing out of him towards me, who we could see in the car. It's not as if we didn't know who was in the car. And you say your yeah. mother is a small woman and, she, and she's a grandmother, which is still uh, quite young. And um, he opened the door and he spat at her. And did your mother manage to say anything to him?
3: She didn't say anything, but then he got back into his car
4: okay. he
3: then cut out and cut back in front of her and started zigzagging and braking and kind of wouldn't let her pass.
2: What was he at? Now see, then did she, she get, to it to get the car, get, did you get to make of the car did she get the make of the car or the rage number?
3: She got his registration and we well were able to well, find out. Oh. who this
2: man is. Oh, go on. Well, don't tell us his name obviously.
3: No, no. But no how did but you how did
2: you find out who he was?
3: You, because I think there was a logo as well on the car like it okay. it was a business.
2: And as your mother matched the photographs or whatever on that website or Facebook to what to the man she saw.
3: Yeah, we could wow. go on. Wow. To the website and she picked him out straight away and he's the managing director. So Nothing is going to come of it, even if we were
2: to ring him Why is nothing going to come of it? If that man knows who he is, which he does, maybe he's not listening, but he should at least apologise to your mother.
4: Well,
3: that's the very least that he should do. But someone like that who would spit at somebody, I would have to question even what kind of a person he is or his own morals. So I wouldn't hold out much hope of getting an apology.
2: So you know who he is. Well, your mother knows; it, it, has identified who she believes it is. It, yeah. it 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 coincides with a logo on the on the car. She has the reg number, which is which is yeah. pretty conclusive, especially for a guard investigation. And now yeah. is your is your, now that your mother you said well, he's an MD of a company, and she hasn't got a hope. Is that what your mother yeah. thinks? What's the point in taking this man on? She just she said it herself.
3: She's not. She doesn't think she would be strong enough to face him. She said she would yeah. be scared to meet him in a courtroom. She doesn't ever want to see him again.
5: Yeah,
3: And she was very worried that even he would take her reg down and maybe be able to find her. Oh, That's how God. afraid no, yeah, she
2: was. Would she give the reg number to the guardie? Is that too much I, pressure?
4: I just... I well, let,
2: let, her, let her think about it.
3: Yeah, like because like I do believe, ones. and
2: it's there's two court cases I'm after, we're after finding in the last few months where spitting at somebody. This case is, is, it was the guardie spitting at somebody in a pandemic that is spread by spittle and aerosols, and in the air is just it's a crime. It is a crime. Yeah. How do now? I'm not. Don't don't put your mother crossways or whatever, or upset her more than she's already upset. But this man should at least contact the family, if, if he knows who he is, or contact us or whatever and say, well, I'm sorry. And by the way, I don't have COVID, so there's nothing for that woman to be worried about, at least. Yeah. what well, she's enough I to be worried about.
3: I would hope by ringing in, even, you know, even maybe the man himself might hear this and feel sorry for what he's done or feel a sense mm. of shame or that maybe somebody out there, like start conversation this evening like oh
2: I heard this on the radio is yeah, that awful awesome? people just have to grin and bear it when we all make mistakes driving and, and by the way there's no evidence your mother made a mistake we all get caught in traffic jams and get upset and are ratty or whatever your mother wasn't yeah. this other man uh, completely lost his head it sounds like completely lost his head now I don't know and you don't know what ghosts were on his shoulders that day he could no, have got bad news no. and we t- we take that into account but he should at least, in the calm light of day, he should at least apologise and uh, especially as your mother I, fair play to her, she had the wit about her to get uh, the logo off the car and uh, a, a reg number, which is pretty conclusive. How was how your mother today? She's still upset yeah. by it, you
3: know and like I know you said we don't know what's going on in anybody's yeah, life Yeah, yeah, but you know, I could Still be. Still doesn't I justify, yeah. The weight of the world on my shoulders, yeah, but exactly. I would never open someone else's car yeah. door and
2: spit on them. There's, there's, there's about three or four offences there: opening someone's door, uh, on, which is their property without permission, um, in the middle of traffic. It's just it's three, four, five, six offences that person committed. But the, 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 what he should do immediately is apologise and. Um, uh, explain to, to 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 your mother but you 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 know who he is yeah and th- by the way even i th- think
3: maybe that's satisfaction enough for the family that
2: you know we know who this person okay. is and do you th- do you, i know where you're based but do, would you ever come across him in the course of your daily business in the town
3: no this this man is from A different area in Ireland.
2: Okay. Okay. Yeah. But this man knows who he was. He knows he got out of a car yesterday, elbowed a window. He was effing and bing at this woman. He pulled open the door and he spat at her. And she was in her uh, early 60s and a small You say a small woman and small, small in the car as well. Um, Yeah. Okay, Marie. Kind regards to you and and your and your mother. And I'm sure she'll have a long think. uh, about what's, what's the best thing to do but I understand completely why she's she feels under pressure at the moment uh, thanks indeed, that's Marie joe at rte.ie 51551 is the text number
1: Talk to Joe on 0818 715 815
0: Live Line on RTE Radio 1 with Kia Going electric? Plug into the Kia e-range of EVs and PHEVs Kia, movement that inspires
1: Talk to Joe on 0818 715 815. Yesterday in
2: the programme we spoke to a remarkable woman, Elizabeth Maloney, and uh, today, and was pointed out, there's another remarkable, and there are many more hopefully before Christmas, men and women that we'll be talking to. And this woman is Lucia Fitzgerald. Lucia, good afternoon. Morning. How are you keeping?
6: I'm fine, thanks very much, Joe.
2: At what age were you when you ran away from Ireland?
6: Uh, I was around f- 14 or 15, something like that. Wow. Yes.
2: You've been born in Bessborough, I mean, mother of baby home. Yeah. And did you know who your parents were?
6: No idea. I had no idea at the time, no.
2: And when you ran away at 14... Yeah. Which is, what, 50, 60 years ago?
6: Yeah, that's you, right.
2: You were... Where, where, where? How did you know where you were going?
6: Well, the thing was, you see, uh, what what uh, prompted me to run away was uh, that um, I thought uh, that my parents were my parents and they weren't, they were my grandparents. Ah. So I'd been lied to all those years and I got a terrible shock when I found uh, my birth certificate in a drawer uh, that I wasn't supposed to be nosy and in. Wow. And um, so I got an awful shock. Yeah. And um, I decided uh, to. Um, well, that wasn't the decision that made me actually run away. Was that mm-hmm. my gran- I confronted my grandmother with it, and then she started talking to me about a letter that had been found in my school bag, all the rest of it, and that, um, that I probably will have to go into an institution because uh, um, I'm I'm not normal. I didn't know what she was talking about, but she was, what she was really talking about was the fact that I was gay, and I didn't know I was gay at the time. If you understand. Of
5: course. Me. Yeah.
6: So, you know, I thought to myself, rather than, because I knew what those places were like, because some kids I went to school with ended up in them.
5: Mm-hmm.
6: We'd never seen them again. And that was one of the, just one of the reasons. So there was about three or four different
2: okay. reasons. Okay. So, so you found your birth cert. You realised your mother was your granny. Yeah. Is that right? Uh, yes. Which happened so often. Yes. You said to your, your granny, your mammy. Yep. Uh, did you ask her, who is my mammy?
6: I didn't. I was afraid of my life for because okay. in them days you didn't challenge yeah, okay. people that grew up there with very Victorian ideas. Are you with me?
5: Yeah, of course I am.
6: My life of her, Joe. To be perfectly honest with you, I mean, I loved her on one side, but on the other side, I was afraid of my life for yeah. because, uh, you know, she was uh, like a street angel and a, and, and a house devil, sort of thing.
2: So when you said to her, "I know, I'm, I, I know you're not my mammy." Mm. And she said, "Well, hang on. What's what's this? What's this letter I found in the school bag? That was her reply. Basically, no. that was her. Okay.
6: Yeah, I, I'm getting. All, what not happened sex. was that was a different story. That was okay. it, it. Broke the camel's back, so to speak. Ah, yeah. Long, but not long before that was when I found the birth certificate.
2: Okay. And she found a letter in your bag.
6: Yeah. So now I was, I wasn't the person I was supposed to be, and the next thing I'm, I'm this lesbian. And that I need to be put into uh, some sort of an asylum somewhere.
5: So Good God! Good I think God!
6: It was a shock! I'd never—I didn't know what a lesbian was. I wasn't interested in, in sex or anything else. Yeah. But I was being accused of it, um, because of this letter from a friend of mine telling, uh, "Love me," you know what I mean? Yeah, I was, yeah,
5: yeah. Okay.
6: Two young kids, for goodness' Teen-
2: sake. Two teenagers, yeah.
6: Teenagers, yes.
2: So, so you decided to run away.
6: I decided to run away and uh, and and look for my birth mother, and I and I found her. And uh, basically speaking, uh, in, in, uh, in all honesty, I, I, I couldn't stay there either because I felt yeah. terribly uncomfortable okay. and away from home and lonely and in a strange, strange uh, country. So I walked out of there for uh, personal reasons that I won't disclose. Okay. Thought I'd better, I better get out of here.
2: But, but at 14, how did you get to England?
6: Uh, I took uh, I took some money out of the drawer that okay. my mother used to keep as emergency money.
2: Yeah, well, it was an emergency.
6: And I, and I made myself I went got up myself uh, up to Dublin. Yeah. And um, 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 and um I got on the boat. And they asked me, you know, where was your pair? And I said, they're coming up with the the things in a minute. They'll be up. I'm just going in. They left me straight in. Okay. So um, and then I um, I went and I found me, me uh, birth mother, and that was it.
2: So you landed where? Liverpool, Hollyhead or whatever? Where?
6: I landed in Liverpool.
2: Liverpool, okay. And, wh- and where did you go next?
6: I went uh, to find uh, my birth mother.
2: So you had an address.
6: didn't stay there very long and then okay. I hit the streets of Manchester after that. I, I thought, I'm better off on my own, you know, because everything but around what? me is a
2: lie. But Lucia, what age were you when you were in Manchester on your own?
6: God love, I was only something like 15, coming up to 16 and I was living on the streets. I thought I'd rather be on the streets and just walk the streets and have to put up with, you know, people telling me who I am, what I am, yeah. and, and that I'm going to be put away and that I'm no good and I'm this and I'm that. And um, so, you know, and all this was just be- because of my mother having me when she was young and me br- brought into the world in a Magdalen home, you know, so you couldn't make yeah. it up. It was like stigma that you, you just couldn't believe.
2: So you're now 15 and you're homeless in Manchester. Yes,
6: originally. and I'm out there on the streets and I met loads of other Irish kids on the streets for very similar reasons and we all kind of hung out together and
5: stuck okay. together.
6: And we used to all go up to the local um, uh, uh, gay pub of the night and we'd sit outside watching them all going in and out because we felt safe sat there, you know.
5: Yeah.
6: And uh, we, we, um, we, we just kept ourselves well and clean and um, got ourselves little uh, washing up jobs in the day. And that's how we survived and, and, and mm-hmm. went into the local uh, toilets to wash our clothes and stuff like that. And we just kept ourselves going all the time because one thing that uh, kept me going was that I thought, I'm not going to be sent back to Ireland in a coffin. Are you with me? I yeah. am not going to be. And that was what drove me. Don't go back. Because then, you see, I would have turned out the, the, uh, the person that uh, I was being predicted to be, which was this awful person that was now a lesbian, and, and that they uh, took in and, um, and, and reared, and this was my thanks. You see what I'm saying? Yeah, of course I do. I mean, Is I was it? only a child. I had no idea what was yeah. going on, but the idea of going into another one of those homes, because I'd had smacks of uh, uh, things, uh, of corridors and yeah. nuns and beads, and I was afraid of my life of them all.
2: And, but, Lucian, when, so did, when did you, or when did you come in contact with the social services in Manchester?
6: Well, uh, what happened was I was going home one night, uh, okay. place where I could, uh, what do you call it, uh, sofa surf. Yeah. And um, I there was a bike on the side of the road, and I sure I got up on it the same as anyone would.
5: Yeah, yeah.
6: And the police pulled in behind me, uh. and that was it. And then they realised I was um, I was uh, underage, and so they told me just um I'd, uh, I'd be put in, uh, in touch with a social worker. Okay. Anyway, they sent the social worker. The social worker found out I was gay. I told her I was gay. I said, and yeah. I don't want to go back to Ireland. I don't want to do this. And she said, right. So she said, well, what I'm going to do? She said, is this? She said, uh, I'm going to um, uh, send you to see a psychiatrist. She said, and see what he has to say because he's, she said, this, you're you're obviously upset uh, because you're, and this is what's mm-hmm. and all the problems. And I said, there isn't a problem. And she said, well, you were arrested. And I said, I was only, you know, on jumped a bicycle, on a yeah. didn't do anything wrong. When I went to court, there was 47 charges against me. I didn't know what was going on. Oh, my God. The next minute, I was sat in front of a psychiatrist. Okay. And told that um, she, she recommended that I go and see a psychiatrist. There wasn't a thing wrong with me. I was only a child. Ignorant of that.
5: Yeah.
6: And um, they, uh, basically, um, the psychiatrist was saying to me that... Um, I believe you're you're a lesbian. I didn't. I know that was the first time I'd ever heard the word lesbian. I said, "What's a what's a lesbian? What is okay. it?" Because we were all called queers in them oh,
5: days. Oh God, yeah,
6: yeah. And anyway, to cut another long story short, yeah. he wanted to send me for lobotomy. Oh, I ran
2: out. A of lobotomy.
6: It. Yep, and a lobotomy. I ran out of it. I said, "What's that?" I didn't even know what it was. And it, oh, and it just went on from there. So I was I was on the run then for 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 a good while, a couple of months anyway, maybe longer. And, and it, the police finally found me. And it was two police women came looking for me. And uh, they said, we're looking for Lucia Sterling and I, I, I we believe she lives here. Because mm-hmm. by this time, I, was, I got myself a little job in the gay cl- uh, pub. and
2: are brilliant, you washing,
6: washing dishes and things. Yeah. And everyone was looked after each other, them. So I was kind of on the way up and starting to feel safe, you know, in, 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 in the gay village that we ha- have here in Manchester. And... Um, and the next minute, you know, I, I was I was uh, being shipped off out again, you know.
2: And when he said to me, when he said to you, Lucy, you you're you, you're going to have a, a, a lobotomy. I presume you ran? Did you given how st- oh strong-willed you were?
6: I out of that place, and do you know where? And do you know where I was? And I didn't realise oh. where this social worker took me. She took me to the mental asylum in Salford, which is the city next door to Manchester. To Manchester, yeah. And I never knew where I was. And I just looked at the fe- I looked at this, this fella, and I said, what do you mean you're going to um, do an operation on my brain? He said, it'll cure you. He said, because he said, all your problems, he said, is down to the fact that you're a lesbian. I said, oh, I don't think so. I said, all my problems, I said, is around the fact that I'm homeless and I'm trying to struggle yeah, you with yeah. me and I didn't steal a bicycle.
2: And you're so young. Yep, yep. And, and... and I know people say, "Oh, God, England's much more uh, uh, progressive than we are." But in the 1960s, it wasn't. It was. Homosexuality was a crime, yes, as you know. Or acts of homosexuality were were a crime. So, so did you, you did you run out of that hospital, or you just didn't turn you know up it, for the? It,
6: I was sitting in front of this massive uh, mahogany table, and I was I'm only four, four foot eleven. Okay. And I so I pushed back the chair I was on. It had wheels. And I put me two feet up on the edge of the table, a big mahogany one, and I pressed it into the wall and him with it. And I ran like...
5: Good woman.
6: ...up the corridors and everywhere. And i it was that massive, the hospital. I was having terrible trouble trying to find my way okay, out. Okay, Anyway, I, I eventually ran out of it. And um, I um, i went and uh, back to where I used to live. And the police came and went to arrest me. Okay. They said, what is it that you've done? And I said to him, I'm a lesbian. I said, and that's what's wrong. I said, and you know what they said? They said, is your name not Fitzgerald?" Gerald? And I said, yes. They said, well, thank you very much. She's obviously not even here enough. They went. They, so, they must have been sympathetic. So
2: they pretended not to hear your name.
6: They pretended not Brilliant. to hear name. And I never heard another word after that.
2: So that's your another remarkable uh, escape, so to speak. Yes. And but uh, I get the sense all the time you were even given your circumstances, Lucia, and your age, mm. and your 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 lack of family support. You you then just tr- you keep trying to get more d- a job and a job and a job. You're working all the time.
6: Yes, I used to get jobs washing dishes, doing everything I could, waiting tables, working in the chip shop, anything uh, to just keep myself well and alive. Because here's what drove me. I thought, I will never be sent home to Ireland in a box, a failure. Yeah.
2: You he with me? That that, yeah. me?
6: And saying that yeah. And to this day, I'm proud of the fact that I didn't end up sent home in a box. And, you know, this story would resonate with an awful lot of yeah, Irish young elderly I know. people, you know. I'm just one of thousands of stories because after that... Journey. I met so many Irish people that went through the same thing as <laughs> me, around the same age. Loads of them, because they'd end up in, in Manchester, in the Union, and uh, down the gay clubs, and they tell you their stories, and they were heartbreaking, Joe, absolutely heartbreaking.
2: And how did you? Okay, you're 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 forever. Sorry, even though you're quite young, but you're forever pushing yourself. You're, you won't tolerate injustice or inhumanity to you, which is an incredible yeah. thing for someone your age, but you're always trying to push yourself in terms of jobs. What was, the, was there a big break you got positively, Lucia, or was it just slowly, slowly?
6: It was slowly, slowly as you went along, uh, Joe. And then what happened was, I, I overheard a conversation one night in a pub now, in a club now. Joe, I was at a very low ebb at the time, and I okay. was seriously thinking of uh, of committing suicide because okay. I was tired. I missed my family. I missed home and everything. Do you know what I mean? As yeah. much as I suffered there, I, I still missed them all and missed the culture. And um, I was just really um, lonely in myself, so to speak. And I was thinking the cruelty that I see uh, uh, towards gay people back in those days was just awful. The lads could be arrested. We'd never see them again. They used to beat the hell out of the kids coming out of the pubs. And I thought, I can't live like this. So I seriously thought about it. And I was sitting in the club one night just up on a Mm. stool and I overheard three people uh, talking at a table, three women, about the fact that it was horrible what was happening to gay people. Mm. They were talking about starting this thing called GLF, And I I thought what they were saying was actually quite good. So I said, do you mind if I join your conversation?
5: Okay, well done.
6: And I sat down at the table and I said, what's GLF? And they said, Gay Liberation Front. And I said, what does that mean? And they were talking about the government. I said, I know nothing about the government. They were going on about MPs. And I said, what's an MP? I didn't know what an MP was. Oh, I said, I'm really interested. I said, could I join your little group? And they said, yes. And that's when my whole life turned around at the, the idea that we could actually change everything.
5: Incredible.
2: And what what did you do in the Gay Liberation Front in Manchester in the early 60s?
6: Well, what we did in the G... uh, We had had loads of meetings. They were called consciousness-raising meetings, meaning look at ourselves and how other people become gay and are gay and how the system is treating us. And whether it's legal or not legal, is it bullying or is what the hell is it? And then we started, be- get, beco- I, I started becoming more and more political with this group of women, etc., yeah. etc. Et and there was lads as well. And so we recognised with the lads that they had a different issue uh, with the state to us um, because we were oppressed as women as well mm-hmm. as Americans. Okay. So we said that we will fight our own battle and the lads went off and fought theirs. But we never kind of split, if you will, because we were all good old of friends. Of course, yeah, yeah. And um, and that's when when um, I became a, an activist. Yeah. And the more I learned about society, the angrier I got, and how unfair I thought society in general was to people. And um, I thought, you know, this is basically what I want to do. And so everything I, I so we looked around, myself and my best friends, still today after all these years is the woman that um, I, I, I heard overheard at the table. Uh, we created uh, the second Women's Aid in Manchester. We created the first women's uh, print and press ever, ever in Manchester. And uh, it went on and on and on and everything. And we created a women's mm-hmm. centre where women with children could come late at night if they were having problems with the a husband that was irate or, or battering them and stuff like that yeah, and yeah. on and on and on and i've never stopped and I, everything i looked at i thought right we could do with this we could do with that Are you with me and i never stopped hmm.
2: and you opened a, a woman's refuge in the 60s would that be the 60s it was the, yes the, even it, though you're still early quite 70s. It it was was still the
6: early quite, 70s when okay. we opened up the women's center yes which,
2: which must have been one of the first on these islands
6: it was, yes. Uh, it was. Uh, I think it was anyway. We don't okay. know and we never look back to find out because uh, it was that busy. We ran phone lines and helplines and everything, um, you know, so you know, to, so people could come and get shelter or at least be referred on or get a little bit of support. We had police and everybody coming to the door late at night with women streaming in blood after their husbands had beaten them, clutched there in the pouring rain with little kids hugging them, you know. And you, how could you turn them away? So we needed to open up a refuge. And that's basically what we did, Joe. We opened up. We went up and kicked the door in the big Victorian house and then we got in touch with the council and I said, is there mm. any chance you come down? I said, there was a few of us there. Uh, is there any chance you could come down? Perhaps think about looking at uh, opening up a refuge here in, in the town because we're, we're getting all these women through the women's centre and there's no place to put them. And the police can't stack the jails with them every night like they're doing. You know, and the children are frightened in jail. Mm. They didn't want to know. So anyways, we thought, okay, well, so... What we did then was we called in the TVs and the newspapers and everybody else and a woman mm-hmm. came forward, bought the house for us and um, we formed uh, a Women's Aid Light Limited for the first time here in, in, in Manchester. And then, of course, we'd already started a women's press so we had to go back to work and there, myself and Angela. And when we, we got um, people uh, and grants mm-hmm. and everything else uh, to uh, subsidise uh, women workers there.
2: But Lucia, you were fourteen. Like you, you, you okay, I know you ran away from home, for, and you managed to run By away that, from. I was from, about nineteen or twenty, something like at that. At that time, yeah. But yeah. what was your? Can I ask? What was your schooling? Oh, uh, no, it was not schooling. The nuns used <laughs> to beat the living daylights
6: out of me. Oh God! Oh, oh de- well, God. they all knew my backstory. They knew I came from a Magdalen home. So this one nun used to cripple me with a, a big. Oh, no. dick, dick, Oh, uh, a ruler, not a ruler, a big thick stick, about an inch thick, and she'd beat the hands off me with it. Now, here's the thing. I can't write with my hands today, and I'm terrible dyslexic. Oh, and I have um, what they describe as learning difficulties. Yeah. I can uh, go up on Twitter now, but I can only write in little bursts. And um, I've all sorts of little things. Like and if I see a form, any kind of forms, I can't fill them in. I, I panic when I see a form or anything like that. I've all these little things. Uh, that's wrong with me and I i swear mm-hmm. to Jesus it's because that nun used to beat the daylights out of me so I stopped learning if you understand me because yeah. no matter how many times uh, that I tried to learn something I couldn't learn it and of course now if, uh, I was told in later years that this thing called dyslexia
5: yeah.
6: and dyspraxia and all these other things and that everything starts to go into place but in them days they didn't know that so they used to kick the daylights out of the kids they did the same though in the Christian Brothers yeah.
2: And, and I, I don't think England was much, much better, given what you're, what you're telling us. Oh, it
6: wasn't. It was the same. It was yeah. the same. So, you see, you know, it, it was all that type of a thing that drove me, you know. I, I just And suddenly I was myself and I wanted to find mm-hmm. out who I was and what I was made of, you know. It wasn't, I wasn't full of self, self-importance. My whole life was a discovery, if you, if you like, Joe. It was just I was discovering things about myself as I went on, you know. And I realised I wasn't this bad person as everybody, because like when I first left home I was full of very low self-esteem yeah. I, my, my only thing was to just stay alive, stay alive, don't be sent home in a box
2: And Lucia, have you been back to Ireland? Much? I
6: have a few times, but yeah. I always ended up leaving because of some remarks somebody would make
2: ah, go Israeli really yeah.
6: visits uh, and stuff like that, you know and I thought, oh, we'll go back to where you just feel safe, you know, and people are not going to be judging you
2: you but know, you see, I see one. We're getting messages about you now. They're saying you you've changed. You've changed the face of women's rights in Manchester. You've changed the face of Manchester. Yes. By your campaigning over the years.
6: It wasn't just me though. It was I, me, know, I, know,
2: have... I know, I know, I know, I know. Yeah. Well, who, 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 name, what who one name? Do you want the name, Angela or? Well, Angela
6: and... Cooper. Yes, she yeah. was my best friend. Me, uh, myself, and Angela, and some other women got the ball rolling. The other women now have, have passed away. Uh, God bless them. Yeah, but, um, you know, but there's only me and her now left to tell the stories.
2: And was Angela in that group that you?
6: Oh God, you, yes, yes.
2: That you? No, that you remember? You were in the. I don't know. We were in a pub and you heard them talking, and you yes. said, "Can I join in?"
6: Those people, yes. Was yes.
2: Angela in that group?
6: Yes. Oh, and brilliant!
2: I, and, brilliant. And
6: Angela. Angela was born in a Magdalene baby home as well.
2: Whereabouts and, in Ireland or England?
6: And she in in uh, in uh, Ireland. Yeah, in and
2: Ireland, and Ireland, yeah. the only were in Ireland. All over to England. Different and, uh, names. She
6: was born here. Sorry.
2: Yeah.
6: Was she born in England? I can't
2: remember, I can't Okay, Okay, okay.
6: Anyway, so, so we had all that in common, you know, of growing up, not knowing who we were.
2: And you received oh, the what, Lifetime Achievement Award, yeah, uh, from the Pride of Manchester Awards. Yeah. Um, you, it This there, there's a has there been a documentary made about about you and Angela?
6: Yes uh, it was called Invisible Women and the reason uh, we made the documentary is because we went into the library one day to do some research about the women's books in Manchester and there was basically nothing in there. So the whole women's story of Manchester and what happened in Manchester from the 60s onwards there was no documentation. So uh, I got in touch with uh, this uh, lad I knew and uh, before we knew where he says to me should we make a documentary about that very story about the journey and I said, yes, lovely, let's do it.
2: And what has kept you going, Lucia?
6: What kept me going is uh, uh, is uh, everywhere you look, you see injustice and, and, and people being fair, uh, being treated terribly unfairly for, for no fault of their own. As you were. Yes, as I was. And I can't stand people being treated unfairly. And if I think there's anything I can do to help, I'll, I'll help. Because I know what it's like yeah. uh, to suffer uh, under uh, duress of uh, something you're not, and that you never did, or that you never stole, or that you never said, are you with me? It's horrible. Yeah. Uh, a, a judge, uh, people being judged in 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 ways that would destroy their little lives. I think it's disgraceful.
2: And what are your le- well, you're still you're you're in your seventies, but you're still you're still young. What are your lessons? What are your lessons in life? What what would you say? Do you say to people? Well, obviously you you discovered a secret as a child, which was deeply deeply traumatic
6: yes uh, the, the the fact that i was born in a Magdalen baby home
2: yeah. hello uh, yeah i know i can hear you oh
6: yeah is that what you mean yeah yeah, th- yeah th- oh i nearly died joe yeah. oh i nearly died because um i, I love the bones of my grandfather and to yeah. think that he wasn't my dad uh, anymore you know what i mean yeah, i yeah. I, I was told he was my grandfather and then, uh, of course, my mother wasn't my mother, and my brothers and sisters weren't really my brothers and sisters, the aunties. No. Yeah. Oh, and I was so upset when I f- found out all about that, you know, because I didn't know I'd been anywhere. Uh, but I did have little rec- uh, uh, recognised, and yeah. um, there was something wrong because um, I-, I used to have dreams and things about being in closed places, and I'd wake up sweating and not knowing where I was and stuff like that. So there was, there was something there, and I couldn't... Yeah. And, of course, the, the big telltale sign, but you don't know. I was never told when my birthday was. I'd never uh. had a birthday party or told when my birthday was. And my grandmother uh, turned around and she says to me um, uh, that every Christmas... I was born on Christmas Day, so every Christmas I had to ask um, how old I was. So yes. every Christmas morning I'd say, How old am I today, Mammy? And she'd tell me how old I was. Now, have you ever heard the likes of that?
2: No. And do you, do you still mark your birthday on Christmas Day, Lucia?
6: No, I don't, love. No. As a matter of fact, uh, everyone that knows me here now in Manchester will tell you, I don't celebrate my birthday ever at all. Oh, God. I forget about it. I think I'll just forget about it. It wasn't pleasant for me, birth mother, let's put it that way. And uh, I doubt if it okay. was pleasant for me. And uh, then how many years, whatever they were, that I was in the Magdalen home that I'll never know because I'd asked him a thousand times for my paperwork and I couldn't get it.
2: So you don't know how long you were in Bessborough? No,
6: and that was one of the reasons why I went there, I don't know, many times and wrote to him and went to him and every time they came up with all these excuses. And then I had one of the girls uh, a couple of years ago there uh, got in touch with me from Cork and she says to me, Lou, she says because I'm in touch with a lot of the women yeah, yeah. at home, the lesbian movement, and the GLF there, yeah. and um, she says uh, that all oh, they're closing down now, all the things, so you may not be able to get mm. your paperwork a hold of it ever again because they're closing it. Oh, I was broken hearted. So I've n- I've no idea of where I was say for the first four or five years of my life. Oh, my God, no.
2: Except those little flashbacks you get in your dreams I or whatever
6: I get, you, yeah,
2: yeah, yeah, and say, I can't say, make. Uh, say, with a, say with us, Lucia. No, Noeline Connell has phoned in. Oh, eight one eight seven one five eight one five. Noeline, you're listening to Lucia.
7: Yes, I'm absolutely amazed at her story. And I think that she must have always have been very, very strong and resilient to the way she was treated. First of all, when she, you know, when she ran away and yeah. all of her conditions, the way she lived. And I know a few people that did that, uh, that ran away and lived on the streets in Dublin. But uh, also the way she was treated for being gay. My mother came from County Clare and they had a shop. Uh, that's an awful lot in a small town. So everybody came to the town into that shop, okay. and uh, they used to. Uh, some people that in from their area, um, people that went to the mother and baby homes used to go to Letterfrack. And my mother was very, very, very small, and the, the whole family, all the kids, used to be in the shop all the time. And my mother said, small and all as she was when somebody would say, God, I'm going back to let her frack. My mother didn't even know whether it was a person, place or thing. But she said she actually mm. started as she grew up, like a- as a child, uh, she started to get very afraid when she heard that word. But I just can't get over that lady. You know, New my feeling. father, was he lived in the country and he saw girls that were yeah. pregnant or um Labeled as gay at the time, exactly going through like what Lucia is going through, or went through at the time, and I mean the way they were being treated was uh, terrible. Remarkable. And then my um, my little boy went; he's thirty now. He went into the Boy Scouts. And they went away. They were six or seven. They went on a trip to, to Tralee or somewhere. Mm. And I, I just happened to say it to my mother. And she'd be very open-minded, extremely. And uh, she looked at me and I said, what's wrong? And she said, do you know who's bringing your son away? Are you sure? And anyway, so that was grand. A year or two later, I said, why did you have such a violent reaction to m- me for letting Niall away? You know what mm. I mean? With... Uh, with people in the Boy Scouts and she said oh in our time uh, most of the leaders were kind of pervs that's what they were labelled as they were gay, some of them were gay and two of them were well-known in her town, yeah, and they gay, got horrendous yeah, treatment.
2: Yeah, but being gay isn't isn't is mm. a part by
7: any... any well, like Lucy had all th- the treatment of being run, run away, yeah. the way she ran away, and being gay, like she had two to deal
2: with. Incredible you know. willpower. And Lucia, have you ever been honoured in Ireland? I know you've been honoured in Manchester.
6: Uh, Well, I've been honoured in Ireland in a way that I'm very proud of, and that was to be invited over by the LGBT community in Ireland there a few years ago. I had the best time in my life
5: uh, to come home
6: to to a welcome from the the whole of the LGBT community in in Ireland. I had a great time all together.
2: Okay, and what lies ahead of you now? You're still an activist, you're still campaigning, you're still still working,
6: you're still making a difference. I'm still at it. Um, what, what I'm doing now is um, I live in social housing. Okay. And what my thing is now, I'm in a thing called House Proud, which is uh, a group of LGBT people that works within social housing and that are also tenants of social housing. Okay. And uh, what we're doing is we're trying to get social housing to recognize hate crime and okay. other things that go on that is affecting us and to uh. also think seriously about um, perhaps. Uh, building um, LGBT um, safe places to live. And so that's what um, I do now. And Mm -hmm. I'm also uh, involved in groups that are trying to get housing associations to recognise uh, that um, we might have special uh, need for um, hate crime within uh, housing itself.
2: I'm just thinking, your family, I mean, your family back in Ireland, if they knew this surely they would be so proud of you
6: well I, I don't think there's many of them left i think i yeah. i know there's only one brother left but i could be wrong because
5: oh,
2: okay.
6: i haven't been in touch with him for donkey's years so yeah, i wouldn't okay. know love and um so i don't interfere but anyway um if they didn't know what i was up to they'll know now but okay. so i don't really care anymore <laughs> about who likes me loves me or hates me you know because i'm just too busy um, to be bothered with it all, if you understand
2: me. I'd say a lot of people admire you and look up to you. You didn't have any role models in Ireland to to, to oh. say, I'd love to be like No. Four, or whatever. You had to
5: no. pl-
2: plough your own furrow, and it was a lonely and dangerous furrow for a 14-year-old, but you did oh, it. And but many, you
6: did, and it. many of the Irish persons is yeah. time, like me, you
2: know. I was it's very struck. I was listening on on Sunday morning to the appeal on BBC Radio 4 and they were talking about St Martin's in the field you know that church in the centre of London and they have a social centre beside it but almost all the people they talked to who they helped were Irish Yes and some of them had run away as well
6: Yes that's correct yes and you know um, back in the the old days as well um, you you, you couldn't if if they found out if you were in uh, in the um, uh, the GAA clubs or anything like mm-hmm. that and they found out you were gay in them days. I don't know what it's like now but you were out the door. You were out the bloody door in them days. God,
2: God. Anyway you're well beyond that now but you're still campaigning for uh, for full full uh, equal rights. Uh, Lucia thanks very much um, I, 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 I was saying there I think a lot of people would be proud of you and admire you but I say a lot of people love you as well as their friend and and uh, companion because um, you, you, have a, you have a lovely way about you and uh, the the willpower that uh, led a 14-year-old, what, 60 years ago, 60 years ago in the 1960s, to actually leave Ireland and get on a get on a ship, say my parents are coming behind me. And then land in, in uh, Liverpool, and then settle in Manchester, and become such a part of Manchester life. And as some, as I said earlier, somebody said, uh, "You've ch- you've changed the face, the face of uh, Manchester." Do you like Christmas, Lush? I know the whole thing about your birthday on Christmas Day is upsetting, but do you like Christmas? I love
6: Christmas. Great. Because great. It
2: brings
6: the child out in you, doesn't it? Yeah, matter uh, so. how old you are. Yeah. Uh, it brings the child out in you, and so I'm I'm uh, I'm sat here now. With all my lovely decorations Great. around, Great. and uh, I always do they'll they'll flat up for Christmas myself yeah. and um you know i'm I'm as happy you wouldn't believe how happy I am. I'm delighted with life going around the place, Great. and um I'm grateful for every little thing I have, and I'm grateful for my health and everything else. And I leave, I leave it to other people to tell me what I've achieved because I don't okay, like I know that I know in that, that context.
2: I get that sense and from And
6: sometimes when people like yourself are talking mm-hmm. to me, I'm looking around and I'm thinking, who are they talking <laughs> I have a little bit of
2: an out of body experience. Okay, well that's brilliant. Don't know who that. Kid. That's well, yeah, yeah. Whoever
6: she was, I'd like
2: to say Well, I tell you, people listening today, let them make their own judgment. And I can tell you, without exception, Lucia, uh, the, the judgments I'm looking at in our text is totally positive and uh, a tonic. A tonic is the is the is the phrase. Is Anne there? Anne, good afternoon. Good afternoon. How are you? Okay, I might have to take take a break. I just I'm, I'm run over time uh, with, with Lucia. Um, Lucia. I'll stay
6: you, on if you want me to. Okay, yeah,
2: do, do. Take a break. Yeah, go
6: on. Yeah, I'll, please I'll, do,
2: please do. I'll keep the phone open. Good. Well, thank you very much.
1: Talk to Joe on 0818 715
0: 815. Live Line on RTE Radio 1 with Kia. Discover our two to one offers at your local Kia dealer. For more, log on to Kia.com.
1: Talk to Joe on 0818 715 815. And I'm talking to uh, Lucia Fitzgerald. And it began after yesterday's conversation
2: and phone call from Elizabeth Maloney, which led us talking to her life. And then somebody said, How come nobody's spoken to Lucia Fitzgerald? And we contacted her and they're. She uh, ran away from born in a mother and baby home, reared by a family she discovered weren't her real parents, and um, ran away from home at 14, uh, discovered uh, she was gay, and then uh, settled in Manchester and became, over the last uh, six decades, a leading light, uh, campaigning in Manchester for women's refuges. Not just campaigning, acting, opening women's refuge campaigning for uh, gay rights and has has uh, recently uh, been awarded in Manchester. I think you should get an award back here, Lucia from looking looking at the card. How often would you come back to Ireland, Lucia?
6: Um not very often, you know. Uh, I wasn't home for years and years. Uh, until the um, the gay community, uh, the Lent and Bred of Ireland, started getting in touch with me. Yeah. Uh, it's apparently. a national organisation. Yeah,
2: they're fantastic.
6: They all got in touch with me and I did the tour with them. And uh, But before that, I hardly ever went home because, um, oh, I don't know, you know, I just couldn't. I just couldn't. Uh, I just couldn't. Yeah
2: okay well, well have a good christmas and and well done a good health continued good health and good spirit and as you say you're you're content and happy long may that continue and uh, thanks for talking to us I, I cannot begin to read out because you, you're you giving out to me because you're getting embarrassed you're saying I don't know if it's <laughs> me you're talking about but um, you you would be blushing from here till Christmas Day and beyond with what people are saying about you positively Lucia so Lucia Fitzgerald thanks indeed Lucia and uh, a happy Christmas remarkable and story.
6: yourself Joan thanks for having
2: yeah, me on. Thank, thank you it was a privilege a privilege. That's Lucia Fitzgerald thanks indeed Lucia. Now we've been contacted by Anne and Anne, Anne is in a very difficult situation Anne, and you know you're on WhatsApp so your line is even clearer uh, Anne, what's happened?
8: Uh, hi Joe, yeah Joe, um, I suppose to begin with um, my son John he's a 26 year old uh, male who um, has a chronic addiction to alcohol um, which really yeah. starts kind of Show its head more roughly in the last twelve months than it had been in the previous year. To when he admitted he'd been um, drinking drinking as heavily as he was. Okay. Um, so he's he a young man who you know who would suffer from ADHD and Aspergers. Who would have went to the Letts and Brents and stayed in college mm-hmm. and worked his way in the back door to get his third level um, education and degree, okay. which he just managed, managed to get. But during the time he struggled with addiction. The addiction was so bad. He he lived with his peers in Limerick, and um, when he was attending college, but oh. um, you know, on the you know they would often have to call me to say, "Listen, we have to bring in ambulance. Uh, John is going into oh. a seizure. He's been drinking al- alcohol roughly for so many days, and um." there, I would go in, meet with the ambulance crew. They would, would take John to the hospital. John would be released a few hours later and um, there mm-hmm. you go. John John was ready to go again and um, despite my best actions of telling him how bad it is and how bad it could act for him, it did get bad for him, and um, we finally managed to get him into uh, a Bushy Park um, treatment centre okay. in Ennis, which is a private treatment centre. And I'm I, I'm separated myself for the last mm. four years, so it was a lot of uh, emailing Stephen Donnelly and and begging for funding, okay. which he which they did give, okay. and he did. He did do his 30 nights, John.
5: Okay.
2: But
8: on the last night he came home, he drank four hours later.
2: And when you say he came home, he came home to your house.
8: That's my home. And where is he now? Uh, where is he now? Yeah. He he's He's in my house. He's in my home. There is... There is nowhere for this for this young lad to be at this moment in time.
2: Um, how was he at this moment? How was he today?
8: Today we were on day four of his last detox. His detoxes are extremely hard mm-hmm. to manage. Um, it has come to the stage where my his t- his younger brother and sister have had to go and live with their dad because of the fact that they can't go mm. through another at-home detox with him. Normally, if his detox, if he was starting to seizure, mm. Joe, he would be brought by ambulance into hospital, maybe given a drip, home a few hours later. That would be that. So, um, despite everything, you know, he... Is begging and begging and begging for help. Um He contacted Teigling, um Teig- the Teagling mm. Centre in Wicklow himself, and it seems to
2: have Yeah, but what he has gone against him is the last time he came out of treatment, he was he slipped. For, I know what happened. I know he did. Happened. Yeah, he slipped four hours did. later. And this is
8: it. And this is this is what happens. Um, Joe, when you when you have like alcoholism is a disease, mm-hmm. which is pro- progressive, and which is fatal in the end, unfortunately. And when you have a man of twenty five years of age who is just starting to live life, who's for in who who who's mm-hmm. who's you know who wants the help. But doesn't realise that he's powerless over alcohol, that it has the power over him. Yeah. So when he came out feeling all fine, life is great, I've nearly had my degree, sure I'm fine now, you know. Mm. Um, but that's not the case.
2: But you think this he needs he case. needs another residential residential treatment centre? That's your This belief.
8: is it. This- This is my belief. This is where secondary and what contact
2: contact does he have with um social services at the minute, if any. With
8: so with social services at the minute.
2: Yeah.
8: Right. Not with not with a social worker. He would have contact with Bushy Park. He would have contact with with he's facilitator that would have would have been there with him for you know the couple of weeks so he he could reach out to her uh another great another great organization is sirsha and they their outreach so unfortunately with covid it's over the phone you know um appointments and Sarah do a great job. They've yeah. helped me through the last 12 months being a parent. They've, you know, given me hip, you know, I mean, yeah. they've, you know, I've talked through stuff and what do I do and where do I lay down boundaries? Where's enough? Yeah. When do you disown? What do you do? You know, we've been through all of this with them. I've given them tough love. I've... Asked him mm. to leave the house, and I'm getting, you know, a couple of hours later. Oh, we've just seen your son. He, He's underneath a bush. He's, he, you know, he's drunk. Do you know, you're picking him up from the road. You're, I mean, he's a fabulous, fabulous young man who basically has a disease that is not curable, mm. you know it's it really isn't and and this is the worst thing about it now he has obviously peers of his own age that have went through facilities uh Joe his thing is he needs secondary treatment he needs he needs to go into a treatment center where the program is longer mm. I mean 30 days is not enough mm. for Four for a young man enough, yeah. And are, are there other substances
2: involved as well? Is that what you were saying? He
8: there there was cocaine oh, with the drinking when he was in college. The cocaine went because the body, his body now, is starting to break down just with the mm. alcohol, and I mean it is it it, it it it's it's a horrible horrible thing to see when you see him seizing when you see that. He's not able to string a sentence together. When you see he's having delirium, hallucinations, and this could last for several hours. It could last for a day, and his relapses are harder from the alcohol.
2: But you say that your two other children have had to leave the home. They're suffering. Yes. You're suffering. What I suffering? know. You tell yeah. me. Um, your 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 son is suffering. Uh, As as well, and you you did mention tough love. Have you asked him to leave?
8: Yes, yes, I've asked him numerous. He's left, and he's slept outside in the bush, or he's slept in the shed. And you feel you feel
2: sorry for him and bring take him back.
8: And and this is it, and I have. Yeah, I've locked him out of the house. I have done everything. I've put his clothes outside the front door. I've told him to go.
2: Okay, so basically you're appealing and that's why you contact us. Is there any residential uh, treatment options available and are either from people who've, through their families or whatever, might have found out about them or indeed any direct uh, residential centres that want to contact us? and it's a very very difficult situation but um hopefully somebody will uh will contact us and and give you some hope um but it looks like you've done absolutely everything right yourself the tough I'm, love and going looking for help and then asking him to leave and uh,
8: locking anyway. him out of the house yeah. i've had the guards remove him from his family home you know when you, you, um you know when he he said to me one morning just leave me till half 10 i'm going to the off licence and i'll i'm going to go away and kill myself i've had him picked up i've had him put into psychiatric units where he's been assessed but unfortunately when somebody's an alcoholic it takes a couple of months for an actual psychiatrist to actually know, make a diagnosis on the person And that's that's the problem. And um, like and all we can do and all killing can do is keep bringing Teaglin um, center every day to say, hey, I'm still here. I want to come as soon as you can take me. And that's probably for every person who wants the help that are doing today.
2: Well, you look after yourself, uh, Anne. Uh, Look after yourself as best you can and and don't forget to look after yourself. Uh, Thanks indeed, Anne. That's Anne who contacted us.
1: Thanks indeed. joe at rte.ie Talk to Joe on 0818 715 815.
0: Live line on RTE Radio 1 with Kia. Coming soon, the all new Sportage. For more, log on to kia.com.
1: Joe! Talk to Joe on 0818 715
2: 815. At the start of the programme about road rage, Elizabeth, good afternoon.
4: Good afternoon, how are you?
2: Yeah, it was your daughter last week, what happened?
4: Yes, um, we live in the south of the country, so Mm. I won't say any more than that. And she was coming out off a side road... Um, and then kind of second guessed herself, had time to move out, um, but then kind of second guessed and let the car come on down the road, you know, okay. for yeah. a few minutes. Yeah. Um, and the car just pulled across, across her, she hadn't gone out over the pipeline, car pulled across her, across her, gentleman got, sorry, man got out, couldn't hmm. call him a gentleman, and yeah. um, roared and screamed, ranted and raved at her banged on her car she put down the window demanded to know her name her phone number where she lived now she had a two and a half year old in the back of the car who until his mother upset started crying also um, mm. and he just kept screaming at her you could have caused a, an accident you could you could have caused a road death now bear in mind she hadn't gone out over the white line yeah, yeah. Um, looking at him coming along so she came up here to her parents and we just thought it best we'll go over and speak to the local guardian.
5: Okay, well
4: yeah, who were very accommodating and told her she got upset over there as well. Yeah. Now she's um she's quite a professional woman, so to see her upset was upsetting in itself. Mm-hmm. Um and they said to her, Thank you very much for alerting us, yes, but really there is nothing we can do because no accident has happened. Happens, you yeah. haven't hit him. He has got out and verbally abused you, all right, but with with nothing really to go on. And unless Mm -hmm. he comes up throwing accusations about this, that or the other, there's nothing more we can do. And in fairness, they couldn't have been nicer and totally calmed her down and reassured her. But is there something in the air at the moment (laughs) that these people are um, out? I feel if it was a man in the car, he might not have done it. And also the way he, he blocked her car, like there was no way she could move um until he went wow. and then he had his car angled well, in such a way where that's she an... couldn't get his number. Well that's
2: intimidation, isn't
4: it? Yes, yes. Now she's up the she's up the tallest, she's up the smallest. Hmm. Um and um as I said she's a professional so she's well able to conduct herself. But she said she was speechless by yeah, this yeah. and distraught,
2: and the baby in the back of the car, which and I presume he could see. And the in the back of the
4: car, yes, yeah. exactly. Okay. So um, when we went, we went over to the guard station, and they were actually very good, very okay. helpful.
2: Okay. You did the right thing, Ma- but, you, but your man had to, anyway. As you say, yeah. you couldn't <laughs> call him a gentleman. He decided <laughs> he, he was going to, he wanted to be a policeman and start stopping cars and uh, telling or them, telling them, yeah, or something might, yeah. like that, yeah. whatever
4: you want to call it, but. Yeah. Um, effectively blocked her, she said, even if I wanted to get away from the...
2: You couldn't, she couldn't. ...the tribe yeah.
4: that she was coming out with, she couldn't have got out. Okay. So, um Another like, lesson
2: for people to check themselves. It's ridiculous. It's absolutely. And an extremely traumatic as well, as we Traumatic.
4: Heard. And then to demand. Wasn't moving away until she gave them... She kept saying, I'm not giving you my name and my number. She and he right. was taking... He took photos of her car, of the rage... And she said, at "This stage, she was she she was a little bit distraught, and then she was okay, very mad. distraught yeah. over it. But anyway, um, okay. a bit a, of a bully, and, but a, but listen.
2: and a reminder to people as well. Thanks, Elizabeth. Absolutely. A kind kind regards welcome. to your daughter and your grandchild, and thank a happy Christmas much. to you. thank care. Merry Christmas thank, to you, you too.
1: Uh, thanks, indeed, Elizabeth. Talk to Joe on 0818 715 815. Joe. Talk to Joe on 0818
2: 715 815. And Joe at RT.ie. And in Christmas week, we'll be, we'll be doing a whole series of uh, light, light-hearted programmes culminating on Christmas Eve morning between 9 and 11 with the uh, extravaganza that we normally have in Grafton Street, as you know, but... As you know, for last year and this year, we've battled Grafton Street in minus 15 degrees. We've battled Grafton Street in plus 15 degrees. We've battled Grafton Street over the years in all types of weather. On December 25th, we always had a great time, but the pandemic has, uh, as you know, knocked so many outdoor events. So we see Duffy Circus. The wonderful Duffy Circus is opening tonight in the Tallis Stadium. They have a massive big top, so their half capacity should be big enough uh, to uh, fit everybody that wants to go. It's there, I think, right over to Christmas in the Tallis Stadium. So support them. They don't get any state support because they're not a pantomime and they're not normally out working at Christmas, but they have to work at Christmas because they haven't been working for the last uh, two two years. But we will be here in Studio One on Christmas Eve morning, hoping to bring you as much entertainment uh, as we always do. Now, Carl, you're listening to Anne, talking about her son, 26, chronic drinker for a long time, chronic on drugs, uh, help Carl is there a, how, how can you
9: get help how are you Joe yeah that definitely is hope Joe I'm been listening to the story yeah, and I'm I'm driving in the van and I, I just said you know what I'm going to ring up because I, I, I was the same similar age when, when I had the same problem and um we just want to let her know that there is hope mm. and I, I was in that position when I was 25 and I thought how am I going to how am I going to be able okay. to live a normal life you know and
2: and how, how did you, Carl? It was, was, was you who got yourself back on your feet.
9: It was, yeah. Joe, we went to doctors and I uh, we went to counsellors because I had a trauma in the, in the family. A brother of mine took his life and there was loads of stuff. I was hurt and, and like that, mm-hmm. I was acting out and I was uh, abusing alcohol and when I drank, I couldn't stop and I wasn't like the normal Joe Soap. And We ended up attending um, uh, an Alcoholics Anonymous meeting.
2: Okay, great, great.
9: And that's that. Uh, I'm 10 years sober now. Well done. And the, uh, listening to that girl, the uh, the only place that I could identify with the same people that had the same problem was me was in them rooms.
2: Okay. So, AA, you can, and there's AA meetings everywhere.
9: Everywhere. everywhere. And they're back open now. Oh, great, back great, Some rooms are back open, and you can go on Zooms. If she contacts the uh, AA GSO, they'll be in contact with and they could even send somebody out. If, um, per, Avoiding
2: with the COVID, it's, it's safe, you know. Yeah, but it's, okay. Well, it's stay, st- st- stay well, Carl. Stay well, and um, thanks to you for that for that advice. We're back tomorrow uh, at 1.45 Fergus Sweeney produced, and uh, Ray Darcy's next.
0: Live line on RTE Radio One with Kia. Discover our two to one offers at your local Kia dealer. For more, log on to Kia.com.
1: stays open until 3.15pm or email joe at rte.ie